Howdy, howdy once again, my friends, and welcome to episode 70 of The Daily Run Through the Book of Titus. And uh, hey, we have been talking about this one big long sentence um, that Paul has here in Titus chapter 3. As Paul's talking to Titus, a young pastor uh, in the area of Crete. And so he has been talking about, well, if the whole chapter, if we go back to the beginning, he's talking to to Titus about how he ought to be uh, training or teaching the people in his church certain things. And we talked a lot about that. You can go back and listen if you missed it. And he says, you know, speak evil of no one, but be peaceable, gentle, showing humility to all men. And verse three says, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another period. Um, that could be a comma in, in, uh, as well, because the next word is but. Um, but again, his point is, hey, don't forget, don't forget when you're dealing with younger believers, when you're de- dealing with people who are new to the faith, don't forget how you used to be. Don't forget the work that Jesus has done in you. You know, I work with uh, people that are uh, in their late teens, early 20s, and um, I was talking with some coworkers yesterday about this same kind of issue that one of the things that I have to do when I work with them is remind me of how I was when I was that age. And then I'm reminded of how much better they're doing at their job than I think I was doing at the same time. So anyway, um, Paul reminds Titus, remind them, you know, or reminds Titus, remember how you were. Um, but, but right, this is how you used to be. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, towards men appeared, he saved us. Now, remember, there's that little aside in there. Um, when the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ, our Savior. And that's where we finished last time. So I want to kind of hit that aside and then the comma after the Christ, Jesus Christ, our Savior, you know, who he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, comma, and hit verse seven. So the little aside there in verse five, right? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, comma, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Right? So not by the works of righteousness, which we have done. And then verse, verse uh, seven, he says, being justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So maybe I'm making this more confusing by splitting it up, but there's these points that he's making here where he says, you know, the, the love of God, our savior appeared to us um, and he saved us. Well, not because of our works, right? That's what he says, not by works of righteousness. In other words, we aren't saved by our good deeds. And this is something he says again in verse seven, we have been justified by his grace we should, that we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So the, the, what I really wanted to point out here was this. We talked a little bit last time about, or a couple times ago, about mer- mercy, not getting what you deserve. God withholding the punishment due you. But also here he talks about grace, getting what you don't deserve. It's not that you just don't get punished, but you also get what you don't deserve. And he says, we have been justified by his grace. Justified, the idea being made just as if we never sinned. I remember... A few years back, reading a, a Bible commentary of some sort, and one of the things that the author pointed out that really struck me and stuck out to me, and and I, I was memorable. I mean, I, I still think about this. Was he said, you know, 
when Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you were justified by his grace, right? His grace, grace being that free gift, freely given to you. It's not that you just have your sins wiped out like, hey, I've never done anything wrong. He says, you get the righteousness of Christ, which means it's not just I never did anything wrong, but I always did what was right. That's the credit you have, he's saying. Um, and, and I love that because if you read the Bible carefully, you'll find that the idea of sin is not just, hey, I did something wrong, but it's also, uh, well, the book of James says, you know, he who knows what he ought, you know, what good he ought to do and does it not, to him it is counted as sin. You know, the idea being sin is not just not, it's not just doing the wrong thing. It's not doing the right thing. So locking yourself in your room all day and avoiding people and think, hey, this will keep me from sin. Uh, you're probably not doing the right thing, the good thing you ought to do. So anyway, what he talks about here he, is, is this idea of our justification by grace. Grace being unmerited favor, the free gift. Some people like to use the acronym, making grace into an, an acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. And so again, it's it's this justification made that 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 positional righteousness where God has said, Your sins are washed away, you are positionally righteous, you are right in my sight, you have access to me. You know, when, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, remember that the curtain in the Holy of Holies in the temple was rent from top to bottom. Now, this was not a curtain like one hanging over your window. This is a heavy, thick, um, you know, I've, I've heard estimates where it was, you know, estimated to be like six inches thick, like the cloth, this huge, thick curtain that separated this holy of holy places where the high priest only entered once a year, um, that it was that it was torn into, ripped from top to bottom as though, you know, God in the heavens ripping it um, from the top and tearing it to the bottom basically saying that that access is open there's access now to the to the throne of god you have access to him it's no longer the old the priestly service once a year but it's the final work of that great high priest jesus on the cross for us now this idea of grace i think this gets overlooked a lot um really for two things one is it seems it's it's so it's so revolutionary and so different than other religions that people who don't understand Christianity have no understanding of this. And I think that that's pretty much evidenced by how we see Christianity shown on television shows and in movies and the way religious people, you know, of Christian persuasion are presented in movies. You know, there's still this idea of, well, if I was good enough, Oh, I hope I was good enough. If I, you know, I, she's in a better place because she was good enough. I even was in church one time and I remember a guy that was a guest speaker saying at the end of his sermon, I hope that, you know, God in his mercy will see, you know, will, will, uh, you know, see it in his heart to let me into heaven. You know, well, no, he's already promised it. He's already promised this through Christ. It's like, believe this and receive it. You know, it's this free gift. Receive it. It's not like, well, I hope. What do you, you hope like you think you're not going to get it? No, you, it's, it's like the, um, it's like the promised land, right? 
it's it's it wasn't a land that the people of Israel it wasn't the you might get it if you're good land it's the promised land God promised it to them but they wouldn't go into it right that's the same thing when we talk about this idea of the gift of salvation it's freely given it's freely given it's just will you receive it or not will you believe that Christ's death and resurrection was enough to pay the price for your sins, that he did what he said he did. Do you believe that? And if you did and you believe that and you are saying, hey, I received that gift, I receive his grace, I'm turning from my old ways and I'm turning to him, well, then you can have confidence. You can, as the Bible says, boldly approach the throne of grace. See, grace is such a foreign thing because it's, it, it's, it's not found in other religions. It's not found in other religions. Other religions are based on merit. If you dig into even uh, pseudo-Christian cults, you'll find in many of well, in them you find the same thing. You wonder why there's missionaries from these from these uh, extra well non-biblical. Here, they're extra-biblical cults. They're these groups that have taken the Bible and added to it or changed it and said, "Oh no, we have the only." true translation or we're the only true church and then they're knocking on your door why are they knocking on your door well a lot of it is because it's what they have to do to be right with god and to get into heaven now sometimes they put christians to shame because they have more missionary outreach heart than we do but a lot of times it's that it's not i i love people it's the this is what i have to do to appease my god this is what i have to do to get into heaven well, as Christians, we have a very different a very different viewpoint because it's not by what we've done, by, but it's what's been done for us. And it's that humbling yourself, saying, I'm not good enough. I can never be good enough. And so, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. I receive that grace. And I receive your Holy Spirit. And now I can be born again. And I can, well, what's, here's this other word he says. We could become heirs. We're adopted into his family. And I mentioned this a little while ago. You're not automatically a member of God's family. No matter how much somebody tells, says on TV, we're all God's children. No matter how much people in politics say, hey, we're all God's children. We got to watch out for each other. The Bible doesn't teach that. It teaches something different. You know, John 1, 12, for those who received him, to those who believed in the power of his name, he gave the right to become children of God or sons of God. That's talking about those who receive Jesus. Those That's how you enter into his family. You receive him and he receives you. He died on the cross for you that you might be saved, that you might be an heir, right? That you might be part of his family, that you might be upon your death. Well, actually, I guess it would be upon his death. Um, uh, you receive eternal life, right? When you, as soon as you receive eternal life, um, as soon as you receive Christ, you have, eternal life starts then. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. I mean, that's when you experience the fullness. Um, you experience the fullness of, of those things is, is after death. But in this life, eternal life has begun because even when you die, you, that's it, right? Because the difference between Christians and non-Christians is this. Well, one of the many differences, but one of the main differences is this. The non-Christian is born once, and then they die twice. They die physically, and then they have the judgment, the final judgment. And 
then there's the Christian who is born twice and dies once. They're born physically, then they're born again of the spirit. Then they die once and then they have eternal life. So anyway, that's the one of the unique one of the unique aspects of Christianity is this great thing called grace. God bless you. Talk to you next time.